Hello and welcome to the Treasures Within podcast. I'm your host, Georgia G, multi-passionate success coach and healer for purpose-driven female entrepreneurs. If you're ready to get out of your own way so you can build a wildly profitable Georgia here. I want to take a quick moment to tell you something. A few years ago, I was stuck in what I call strategy hell. I was literally doing everything to grow my business. I was on all the social media platforms, doing webinars, going to networking events, writing blog posts, sending out newsletters, you name it, I did it. And my business was growing at a snail's pace. It was so frustrating because I couldn't have worked any harder. I was already overwhelmed and burned out. Do you ever feel like that? It wasn't until a random encounter with a coach that I realized being in strategy hell is a form of self-sabotage. You think you're doing everything to grow your business. In reality, you're stuck in busy work because you're afraid of what might happen if you went all in or reached your goals. In my case, I had a massive fear that if I became more successful than my family, my friends and my partner, they would allow me anymore and they leave me. This fear was buried so deep in my subconscious that I wasn't aware of it until I had a powerful session with my coach. And yet, the fear was running my business and making sure I'd never reached my goal. It was only once I healed the fear that I was able to double my income in a few short months. And my loved one didn't leave me. If you two are working hard, trying all these strategies to go to the next level in your business, you don't need one more strategy. You already have all the strategies you need. If nothing is working, it's because there's a limiting belief that's sabotaging all your efforts. Maybe like me, you're afraid that if you are too successful, you won't fit in with your friends and family anymore and you lose them. Maybe you don't think you are good enough at what you do and they're afraid that if you put yourself out there in a big way, you'll be exposed as a fraud. Or maybe deep down, you don't believe you're worthy of money and success. Whatever it is, trying to grow a business with these limiting beliefs running in your subconscious, it's like driving a car with a brake on. No matter how hard you try, you're going to stay stuck where you are. If you want to go to the next level in your business and reach those big income and business goals that have eluded you up until now, you must first heal all those limiting beliefs and all stories that are sabotaging you. Once those self-imposed limitations melt away, you'll be able to step out of strategy hell and confidently take action towards your goals. Those tasks that used to feel hard or scary, like going live on Instagram, doing sales calls, or being a regular guest on podcasts, will now feel easy and fun and you'll be able to reach your goals with ease. If you know deep down that healing those limiting beliefs 
and all stories is the missing piece in getting the results and money you want in your business and you are ready to drop the hustle and step into your six figures mindset, I invite you to book a discovery call with me. On the call, you get coaching on the number one limiting belief that's sabotaging your success and keeping you from reaching your next income level. And if we both feel it's a fit, you'll discover how we can work together to heal the limiting beliefs that are sabotaging you, so you can finally build a wildly profitable business from your passions and enjoy financial allocation and time freedom. Remember, the world needs all of your treasures. It's your time to get out of your own way so you can do the work you are meant to do in the world and live a life of freedom on your own terms. These one-on-one calls are limited, so if you are ready to finally make your vision board become your reality, click on the link in the show notes and book in today. Business from your passions, this show is for you. Tune in every Tuesday for inspiring interviews and mindset tools to heal self-sabotage so you can double your income, reach those big business goals that have eluded you up until now, and create a life of freedom and abundance on your own terms. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Treasure Redeem podcast. My guest today is Serena Gasparini, a nursing marketing geek turned creative business owner of Sunset Forum, no nonsense community management. Serena went freelance after some pretty heavy soul searching. In 2019, life threw her a carball as she was diagnosed with depression and burnout. She knew then that she had to make a massive change to build the life her body and mind craved. She needed a business where she could serve her dream clients with joy and flexibility. The dream was Sense and Forum, offering no-nonsense community management. Her experience expands over 15 plus years in the big, bad world of marketing and events. She worked for the Australian government in the UK and one of the UK leading wild distributors. Recently, she has found herself working with startups on building communities. In this interview, Serena talks about mental health awareness, how to build a community for your business, and how to create a life and business around your passions. Let's dive in. Welcome to the show, Serena. So nice to be able to speak with you. Can you start by sharing with our listeners who are you, a bit about your story, and how you came to do this work. Yes, of course. So I'm Serena. I was actually born and raised in Adelaide, Australia, where I spent most of my time before I moved to London. But while I was in Australia, I went to university and started my career in event management and worked in hotel sales. So I sold a lot of event spaces in the, in the hotel industry. And then after a little while, I thought, if I don't travel the world now, I'm never going to do it. So I decided to book a one-way ticket to London. I think a lot of Australians do the same thing. And I was only ever meant to go for two years, but ended up being in London for seven years. And while I was there, I had some brilliant work opportunities, some of which I don't ever think I'd be able to gain while working in Australia. It really accelerated my career. And those opportunities were 
working for the South Australian government in the UK, which was a trade and investment office, so looking for opportunities for Australian industries to prosper. And the industry that I got to work with very closely was the wine industry, so that was a lot of fun, selling and promoting South Australian wine in the UK. Uh, and then I went on to work for one of the UK's leading wine distributors as their event and marketing manager. And then after that, I ended up then going into working for myself in September 2019. And when the pandemic hit, I thought I can't do event management anymore. I need to look at how I can kind of pivot this career that I've spent so long working in. And it just resonated with me, online community management and now that things are starting to open up, just community management as a whole. So everything from event management, email marketing, how to manage your community apps and platforms, your social media platforms as well. So that's kind of where I got to and how I started my business, Sense and Forum. Well, that's exciting. And you're going to talk more about community management and what happened as well. But now I just want, I'm just curious, you know, when you made the transition to start your own business how was that for you were there any fears that were holding you back I didn't start in the most practical way and I wouldn't recommend starting the way that I did so when I was working for the wine distributor my role was made redundant while I was on sick leave and I thought to myself I need to look after myself I can't get to this position anymore where I'm burnt out and I need to get better after a month of taking that time off. I still wasn't better. So I thought I need to work for myself, perhaps. Maybe this is a better way to managing my health and looking after myself and slowly get getting back into work step by step. I even volunteered for a charity at this point in time because I still couldn't get into the work. I couldn't think properly I just and then I needed to build my confidence back so if I was to start again and if I had a different opportunity I probably would have thought about it a bit more and saved some money before jumping right into going freelance but it's what I needed at the time and I think maybe you know sometimes bad things happen but it's the universe's way of telling you that you, you need to to do something for yourself and it was a blessing in disguise for me yes that's a good point and I feel like the universe is sort of like telling us before these big negative events happen in more subtle ways, but we don't listen. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like the universe was telling me for a good six months, like move, move on, do your own thing. Yeah. And I found from personal experience, from my clients, from conversations that once you take the jump, is never as scary as you thought it would be because when you're just thinking about it you conjure up all kinds of negative scenarios but then once you take the leap you will focus on taking the actions to make it work 100% I agree with that because I think if you're not earning money and you know that you need to and you need to survive you're gonna find ways and I think the pandemic even showed that what I was doing just couldn't be done so I had to change and I had to find other ways of making my business work I couldn't just give up it's just not an option when you're (laughs) self-employed definitely it helps to build that resilience and you also mentioned 
there were again signs that it was not the right fit for you and you were getting burnout. I know that you are a mental health advocate. So can you share with us why this is so important with you and why you believe that a mental health first course it's essential for small small business owners. Of course. So doing my mental health first aid course was really important to me because I realized within the workplace or some workplaces there aren't enough people around to recognize the signs and symptoms to support you. Because I started my own business, I was like, if I'm hiring people and um, working with people from even suppliers or anyone that I come across that I work with, I want to be able to support them in a way if they're ever struggling with mental ill health. And it's also helped me running the communities that I run because it's one of the big pieces for Sense and Forum is that we support communities, but we also support the leader within that community or the owner of that community with their mental health and how they can manage a community and then that work-life balance and mental health at the same time but also when I'm in the communities and I'm engaging the mental health first aid course and being a mental health first aid first mental health advocate sorry has really helped me respond to some of the posts and support people in these communities if they've been struggling from mental ill health so I think it is important for small business owners community managers to take on this first aid course Also, the first aid course isn't just about first aid and supporting someone if they come up with signs of mental ill health. It's also about advocating for mental health and mental ill health. Um, I learned so much, and it's not just about anxiety and depression. This course was also about people with bipolar disorder or suicidal thoughts. And you think you name any mental health or mental ill health issue, And this course really highlights what it's all about, gives you a little bit more information, how to approach certain situations. And now I feel really equipped to be able to support people through my business, through work, through the communities I run. I think it's really important for people to have this awareness. Absolutely. Sometimes you know that someone is struggling, but if you don't have that awareness, if you don't have that background, that information, it's also hard for you to fully understand what is going on. So once you are aware of the challenges that your employees face, maybe your co-workers face, people that are working with you because we're all humans. So what are some ways that you can support the people that work for you and with you to, to get better? It is hard because you're obviously you're employing someone whether it's full-time or a freelancer, to do a job. But people go through hard times all the time. People go through spells of mental ill health. And it's not just one of those things that comes and goes, uh, so that just comes and then goes. It, It could come and go at any time and there's no certain triggers. So it's really important. Like for me, I have this conversation early on with my clients. I have set boundaries within my work life that on Wednesdays I'm not available because I use this as a mental health day because of my past experiences with depression and anxiety because I don't want to get to that point again so anyone that I employ or work with I'd like to have those kind of open and honest conversations so that the dialogue can start straight away and if they are struggling 
the conversation has already been started and they're comfortable enough and have the trust to come to you to say, you know, I'm struggling to manage this workload. And I think over time, it's just managing what they can and can't do during that certain if they're going through a certain situation or if they're going through a period of mental ill health, you have to make allowances to manage it from both sides, but you are also running a business, so you can't just pay someone for doing nothing. So work out what they can do and what they can't do. And if you're hiring someone full-time, there's loads of employment laws around this, so I would go look into that about what are your rights at work when you're suffering from mental ill health. Also um, look at the organisations and speak to your doctor because they can give you the support that you need from an employee perspective. And your employer should know this and what to offer you. Uh, Time off is, you you can have time off for mental ill health. You should never be questioned about your time off. And when you go back to work, if you're not ready to go back to work after the time, that's okay. You're allowed to have more time and your employer should provide you with a, a schedule of getting back into work according with what you can do at the time. Uh, it should be like a return back to work policy. It's really good to be aware of your rights and also of your needs and bossing those needs. And I love that you take one day off a week. <laughs> I and, try. <laughs> <laughs> and, and someone, again, because this sounds amazing, and would like to do the same, but at the same time, they are afraid. If I take one day off, is everything going to fall apart? Do you have any <laughs> advice not to manage those fears? I set the expectation early on when I start working with my clients. In my proposal, in my uh, contract, it says I work Monday, Thursday, sorry, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and I'm available office hours. Obviously, as a someone self-employed you never work nine to five hundred a Friday but those boundaries are set early on I also have this set in my out of office so if anyone ever messages me they get an out of office straight away saying Wednesdays is my kind of mental health day or day off and you know most of the time I am working in the background but it's just a day for me to have to myself to focus on the business if I need to to focus on my mental health if I need to And it's nice to have that kind of day where you know you're not going to be contacted or you know your clients respect that day. So even if they do message you you on the day, they know that you'll reply tomorrow. So I think it's really important to kind of set that that standard from the very beginning when you start these relationships. And if things change along the way and you need to implement this, you know, have those conversations early with the people that you're working with. Other ways you can do it as well. If, especially if you're running communities, is say when you're going to check into the communities. The community can anticipate a, a reply, but you're replying on your terms, not on um, their terms. And it, it can be hard running communities because they're, they're living, breathing beasts that run 24-7. But the communities aren't a customer service tool. They're a tool to create and encourage conversations for so the community should also kind of be self-sufficient in a way the people within it should be supporting each other as well. So it should always have to rely on you. That is so true. And I know especially with now that we are working on the internet with communities that are not 
standard working hours because you know Instagram 24 7 community 24 7 and you can really feel the pressure to oh I have to be there all the time but actually no one expects you to work all the time so making that switch from I need to be there all the time to oh I can set my own boundaries and put myself first knowing that's how the community is going to be taken care of as well because if I'm not well that the community in my business is going to suffer as well. Exactly. If you're not able to manage the day-to-day business because you're into mental health, then it starts to kind of dwindle backwards. But if you're putting those boundaries in place, knowing that and anticipating that you might need time to look after yourself, then it, it makes life a lot easier. And we talked about that again, how to support your employee and your clients but as entrepreneur, we are also human and we also need to support ourselves. So in addition to setting boundaries with clients, setting those expectations from early on, is there any other way in your practice or a ritual that you use to manage your own mental health? So things that have helped me, and these things aren't always for everyone, but I meditate daily. It's helped me stay grounded. And if I get stressed or overwhelmed it just really does center me it only takes five minutes just to do a few breathing exercises other things like exercise running really helps for me sometimes uh, if I can be bothered (laughs) otherwise I go for a nice walk in nature I think this is one of the things that when we live in big cities we forget about nature we forget about the fact that we need to connect and separate ourselves from the big tall high rises and the hustle and bustle so I think just taking that time out for yourself to walk on some grout bell or take a book to the park. Other things that have helped me are things like yoga. I've done other things like talking therapy, CBT. I've sit, spoken to counsellors over my lifetime about certain different things that I needed to do. And that's okay. I think it's always good to be able to Talk to someone that's impartial to your situation, that can't have bias. I mean, your husband or your partner or a friend is always lovely to talk to, but they're going to always kind of tell you what you want to hear. So I think getting professional advice is always really helpful. And the NHS is really good with their mental health support. You know, speaking to a doctor, they will provide you with support straight away. Um, they offer therapy sessions, like counselling and talking sessions and all that kind of stuff. So don't be afraid to go visit your doctor if you're not feeling 100%. And most doctors will take the time to listen. You don't just need to go to the doctor to about a headache or you would go to the doctor about a headache. But they'll also take the time to speak to you about if you're feeling unmomentally. I could not agree more with that. And is there anything else that you would like people to know about mental health before we switch gears? I think if you think someone is struggling from mental ill health, don't ignore them, reach out to them. Just you don't have to offer help or support. Sometimes it's just about listening and it's about kind of just sending out that olive branch really and saying, I'm here if you need anything that's the most important thing you can do and then when that person is ready they reach out to you and then when they do reach out to you it's important to listen 
don't give advice and, and if they do need support that obviously you can't give them, direct them to professional help. The NHS offers a lot of support. There are organisations online that offer loads of support. There's loads of resources and books online. And if anyone ever needs to be pointed in the right direction, I'm more than happy to, to you can DM me on Instagram or email me or whatever. I'm more than happy to support people in this situation. Absolutely. We're going to post your details on the, in the show notes. Sometimes just having someone that is there for you and just willing to listen can really put you at ease to then take advantage of the help that is out there for everyone. So <laughs> can you walk us through what's involved in community building and what are the best practices or top tips you would give to someone who is building a community from scratch? My perspective on community is that your community is at every touch point of your business and When it comes down to marketing, your community is in your mailing list, your community attends your events, your community is on following you on social media. But then when we really dive into community management, it's having that place, that central location where your community members have a place to talk, feel safe um, and nurtured in, in an environment. Now you can have a Facebook group. I might touch on a little bit later and my thoughts on Facebook groups, but that central place could be a Slack channel. It could be the Facebook group. It could be a a purpose-built app. There's apps out there like Circle. This is where we met in the Founder Flourish community in the Circle app. There's another one called Panion. There's loads out there and I've done the research. I have an Excel spreadsheet of probably 50 plus different community platform apps, but no one app will ever suit one community every app has its specific things and every community has its specific needs so you need to do the research on that app when you decide when you're looking into that central location for your community but always understand that your community might not be in that app for example with Facebook groups whoever you're talking to your community and not in your Facebook group alone you might have 500 people on your mailing list, 300 are in your Facebook group. So where are the other 200? They could be attending your events. They could be obviously receiving your emails and all those other activities that you're doing through social media. So it's important as a community or when you're a small business running a community that whatever happens, whatever conversation happens in that app or that central location that it's shared in that mailing list, in your social channels, at your events, so that everyone is a part of the conversation or can join the conversation. And when everyone can be a part of that conversation and join it, great things will happen for your business because you've given them the space to, to open and be free, to talk freely. Then my top tips, what would they be? If you're starting on a budget, by all means, things like Slack, Facebook, are a great place to start my thing with Facebook is that if you're a professional business and you want to be seen as giving your community a safe environment to have discussions I don't think Facebook is the place so I think it is worth investing in in a space and an app 
So look into that. There are free apps out there. I've come across a couple, like I said, Slack. There's another one called Geneva, not the country. That's a proper app. <laughs> and I've got all the research I've done and I've had a look into it. And some can cost you thousands. Some can cost you 100 or 30 euro a month or pound a month. So it all, it depends on, on what your requirements are. But, and my other suggestion would be if you're in Facebook and you're wanting to migrate out of Facebook, just don't switch the lights off and move into another app. Create yourself a migration strategy and do it slowly. Ease people into it. Introduce them softly. No one likes change, although some people think that they do like change. But it's about allowing them to buy into what's happening with you and the community and how it's evolving. That's good advice. And I work with uh, entrepreneurs that are just starting out mostly and they all want to go with a free option, with the cheapest option from the beginning. And there is something to be said. I recommend that you, when you're starting out, you invest in the most expensive apps and software. But at the same time, what I found is that when you choose a platform based only on the price and you end up outgrowing it, then the migration process can be a nightmare. And I would imagine even more for a community because when people actually join you in one place and they're used to being there, when you migrate to somewhere else, you may actually lose a big chunk of people. So how do you manage that? Is there any way to minimize the, the loss? The thing is that with the migration stuff, a lot of people... A lot of the time recently I've been advising people to get all your community into a mailing list and making sure you've got them in, you know, obviously GD, follow the GDPR rules and be GDPR compliant. Bring all your community or as much as your community into that mailing list because you can always send an email. And then it's step by step, day by day. So, for example, do an announcement. We're thinking of migrating the community have you been in any other communities what apps have you discovered what apps are you using so then you can understand is your community using a particular app already like for example you know there's a lot of people using slack and a lot of people using discord to run their communities so don't choose slack if you can ask the question if people are already in a discord community because you know they've already used it they're comfortable and it's a part of their everyday life. So it's understanding where your community is and what they're already using. And that will help you make that decision. And that will help you slowly convince them to go into that new space that you're creating. Is there a way to discover where your audience already is? How do you recommend people do that? To discover where they are. So it'd, it'd be just doing a survey, asking them the question, bring them into the conversation. I think the beauty of community and bringing people together is asking them for their opinion. What's the point of creating something if it's not going to serve them? If you ask them to vote on something, do a poll. There's so many tools that we can use to bring the community into the conversation. I think sometimes we tend to overthink it or complicate it, but just asking a simple survey is, is often enough. Are there any challenges in particular people are facing when within a community? I think the big one, especially what we see in Facebook, is people can just jump into a Facebook group. We don't can't anticipate the conversation, we can't anticipate 
um, the comments that are potentially going to be made. So the biggest challenge is looking after your community, having those guidelines, set the guidelines from the very beginning. So Facebook does help with that and sets out, you know, no bullying, no hate speech, no selling or promotion, all that kind of stuff. So set out those guidelines that you know that your community is going to appreciate and will help them feel safe in a, in a particular space. And then when, if hopefully you don't, and if you do come across trolling or hate speech or someone doing the wrong thing within the community, I think the best approach is not to just delete them and block them because you're going to aggravate them even more. I think the best thing to do is approach them and just point out the guidelines, go, because sometimes they might not realize that they've done something if they've promoted their business, but not within the promotional guidelines that you've provided. So it's just about saying, hi, these are the guidelines. This is what's appropriate in our community. We want everyone to have the opportunity and to feel safe. Warning one, done. And then if you see them doing it again, okay, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to remove you from the group now. You've breached our guidelines several times and we're not comfortable with the conversation or the content that you're providing in the community. The key to community is conversation and being open and honest. So following that step rather than a blank block out, unless they do something completely horrible. And I'm sure if you're running a community, you're attracting like-minded people to your space. And you might get the odd occasional one that goes rogue. But it's all about just managing managing that. Because you're managing people. So make them feel like they're a part of it as well. People in your community, they are likely in other communities as well. And, every, and everyone, every community has different rules. So sometimes you can make honest mistakes. So just remember, uh, reminding them with kindness that, okay, this is not, we don't do that here, actually goes a long way, even in building trust and loyalty to the community. But there is said any mistake or common mistakes that you see people make when within the community? From other community managers? Tell me, when your clients come to you, what yeah. are the biggest mistakes that you see that why the community isn't growing or isn't converting? I think consistency is something that lacks in communities. I think especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're starting your community, I'll jump in it on Wednesday and I'll have a chat and then I'll jump out of it and I might not jump back in for a couple of days and the conversation's not there and you're like, my engagement's not there and you're wondering why. And I think the way to avoid this is to have a schedule, have content strategy, whereas your com- you start to guide your community as to when you're going to be in there and what conversation you want to be had when. And the simplest way to do this is say Monday is Motivation Monday. Share your motivating tips or on Monday, I welcome all my new members. Please introduce yourself and say hello. So you're starting to build structure and routine and people know when they can dip in and out of the community and they're also not going to miss anything. Because I know on Wednesday you're going to announce, I don't know, <laughs> I can't think of anything now that it comes to it, but there's so many things out there. I mean, you've seen them, like Throwback Thursday and Wellness Wednesday and all that stuff. I mean, it just depends what appeals applies to your industry, um, but there's loads that you can put out there, but just be consistent with it. You know, show up on those days, explain to your community that, for example, I take Wednesdays off 
So they tell your community, sorry, I'm not available on Wednesdays. And they're like, yeah, okay, it's fine. You've told me. I don't have to sit here going, well, why isn't they, why haven't I got a reply? Because everyone wants that instant reply. But if you anticipate the message coming in and provide them with a bit of information, like you're out of office or like a bit of guidance, then they'll be like, okay, she's not here today. I know I'll get a response tomorrow. I'm not going to panic. I'm not going to ring her. I'm not going to email her. And then all of a sudden, as a community manager, you've got three notifications on your social channels, you know, three emails and a text message or something. (laughs) (laughs) Consistency definitely is key in everything. I was wondering, within a community become different since the pandemic have you seen any shifts any trends and now that we are getting out of it do you see any trends back as well yeah the biggest thing I'm seeing at the moment is people confusing social media manager with community manager they're two very different things as a community manager I can manage social media I can manage the content I can engage I can like share comment but I'm not about to create a social media strategy, do a TikTok dance or create a reel. That takes a lot of time. What's kind of best used of a community manager's time is looking after the community, talking to the people. That's something to remember. At the moment, we're crossing wires with community manager and social media manager. I'm also seeing community pop up as a trend. I don't want community to be a trend and I don't think it should be seen as this trendy thing. It's not every company, every business has a CRM. You have a community of some sort and you just have to figure out a way of managing it and investing in it properly and understanding the different tools you need to be communicating to your community and how they like to communicate back to you, which is super important. Things that are happening that didn't happen before during the pandemic as events, people want interaction people want to meet the people they've been talking to online for so long and I think we're still a bit hesitant to do it and I hope soon that we don't even have to think about meeting people in real life that will be a huge thing for community and something to remember as well if you are running a community is that it's not all online in real life stuff happens in community as well and that personal meeting that face-to-face interaction is super important for your community to grow for you to be able to have people talk about what you do and spread the word and all that kind of stuff I mean online is fantastic and as I'm sitting here in Cyprus and chatting to you in in the UK like digital is huge and it obviously has helped communities grow globally but it's understanding that bringing together of people in a space which is essentially community. I'm so grateful that we have the internet that can connect people all over the world, but I am so ready for <laughs> in-person events again. <laughs> and, you know, building community is challenging and it's also really rewarding. So do you have any success stories from yourself, from your clients, or why people should keep being consistent and putting their effort here? Because it can take quite a long time, but... What are the rewards? I think knowing that you're, who you're surrounded by, if you're in one community here and one community there, it's making those connections. So I think a lot of the time we forget a community manager. For example, myself, I manage lots of communities and they all were in the same similar type of space, startup entrepreneurs, co-working, 
and I meet people in this community that I meet in that community and they've asked for example I want to meet someone and I need someone to help me with my SEO and I've met someone in another community that's you know I'm fond of I've got to know them I can trust them I know they do well at their job and I can make that introduction that's rewarding just to be able to help someone give them another opportunity and help them make a connection with someone else and growing those communities and they realize oh that person's in that community let's cross over let you know I can join there's never competition because every community serves its different purposes and it might be useful for someone else to understand the other communities that you're running so I think that that's hugely rewarding I have a question that I ask everyone on the show and it is what's one way that the passionate can start building a business and life around their passions so we haven't mentioned this yet but when I worked in the wine industry I was doing wine tasting so when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do professionally as a freelancer in the marketing space changing events into community I was also hosting wine tastings and that's something that I because I worked in the wine industry and got burnt out by it, I kind of put it to side and I was like, no, recently I'm like, no, it's a passion of mine. Why would I let anyone ruin that, that flame that I had for wine tasting and teaching people about wine? And I think it's important when you feel strongly about something, put energy into it at the time, you know, over the last three years, I put energy into different things, but when I have put energy into it, it felt right at that time that's important to understand what you want to focus on and what's going to be rewarding to you but also you need to know what's going to pay the bills and during the pandemic wine tastings weren't going to pay the bills and it was very hard to do them online I have my interests I have my hobbies I have this amazing brand that I've been able to create over the pandemic that I don't think would have come to light if I didn't have that time to sit with it and realize what I needed to do with my kind of skill set and it's nice to be able to play around with these things and you know I'm not in corporate I don't have three people to sign anything off anymore it's like okay if this isn't working let's try something else and I think that to me is so rewarding just to be able to pick up the wine tastings again and start to passionately talk about them or then to start talking passionately about community and you're always constantly learning and Lots of industries are always evolving. And I think that also is something that you lack when you're in a corporate environment is the learning is guided by the company, not by yourself. And I think a lot of people, from, especially for me, like there's so much, I look at the community space and it can, it's about to grow even bigger and bigger. And I'm like, wow, I need to learn so much more. But that's exciting to me because I can give myself the space to do that where I didn't have that before. That's something to me as well, and to the patient as well. We definitely are lifelong learners, and I always say follow your real curiosity and what you want to learn because it's going to guide you where you are meant to go. Is there anything else that you want to say before you wrap up? It's always <laughs> a difficult one. I think maybe I can touch on three points here. One on following your dreams as an entrepreneur, mental health and, and community management, I think. When you're starting out and you're freelance or entrepreneur, just follow your instincts and know what feels like know what feels right. And things will come to you if you put in the hard work and the effort and network and communicate 
to people, loads of people. Your community is your resource when you're a startup or a small business or an entrepreneur. Word of mouth and community is huge. And I think when we're thinking about community, I'm going to now talk about community is understand it's a big beast and it needs time and attention. So don't just hire a social media manager thinking they can do it all because I think in some essences, maybe the marketing departments need to change and we need to maybe put community at the top and everything else kind of flows underneath it. So understand, yeah, with community, who it is that you are trying to talk to, where they are, and making sure that you're providing those resources and being consistent to keep them engaged and bringing them back to your space with whatever it is you're sharing, selling, or promoting to them. And also allow them to generate feedback into what you're doing as a business, because that's ultimately how you adapt and change, because you don't need a panel to do, you know, testing with, you've got them there, they're in your hands. That's, that's super important. And then I think just the last thing to finish with on mental health is that if you know that you need to rest and have a day, take it because I think so many of us as entrepreneurs and small business owners, we don't think that we can rest. The best thing for you to do is take that time to rest because you're only gonna, it's only gonna lead to burnout if you're not acknowledging the signs. I take a Wednesday off to rest and I know that I'm gonna be more productive on a Thursday and Friday. I think if you don't rest, you're gonna be less productive later on in the week. So if you do need to take a morning out, if you do need to go to bed early, just take that time. I think that's the most important thing to do. I quite agree more with that. And for anyone who wants to get in touch with you or work with you, where can they find you? So the business is Sense and Forum. So Sense as in Senses and Forum as in getting together. So you can follow me on Instagram. LinkedIn is Serena Gasparini. And my website is senseandforum.com. Thank you so much for being here with us today i really enjoyed this conversation about mental health community and a lot of people are going to get so much value for it so thank you for making the time thank you so much i hope you enjoyed this interview if you found any value in it any nuggets or wisdom then please pay forward and support the podcast by sharing it with a friend subscribe leave a rating or a review it really helps the podcast get found by adult passionate who need to hear this message too. As always, you find the links to everything mentioned in this episode, including how to get in touch with Serena in the show notes and over at the treasuresweden.net. And with this, I thank you so much for being with us today. I wish you a wonderful rest of your day. And remember, the world needs all of your gifts, not just one. Bye for now.